The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome once again to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community with your usual program answering your questions and also educating the general public on issues, concerns and all that you need to know about the religion of Islam. I am your host Imam Ibrahim Fawson. This program is sponsored by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica and for the knowledge of the new listeners, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam which believes in the advent of the promised Messiah, that is the reformer of the age in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed may peace be unto him. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community is spread across over 200 countries and is a peace-loving religious community which rejects any form of violence against God's creation. Our motto has always been love for all and hatred for none. In the course of today's program, if you wish to be part of it, kindly send us your message via WhatsApp and the number to do so is 876-283-9533. Today on the program we are taking a look at a very important topic in Islam that is inheritance. It is important within Islam and also within our societies. And um, Islam as a religion which caters for the social needs as well as the fundamental human rights of every individual did not leave this matter unattended. Unlike in some religions that preceded Islam which were either silent on the topic or offered just a little idea about it, Islam deals with inheritance in a very comprehensive manner and join me to discuss this topic today is our usual um, guest on the program Imam Tariq Azim who is president and missionary in charge of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica Imam Tariq assalamu alaikum and welcome to the program wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu May peace and blessings of God be upon you and all the listeners. Thank you very much for joining us today as usual. And as I stated today, we are taking a look at inheritance. Inheritance is very important in you know our societies. And anytime um, an individual passes on, there are several issues that come up by way of um, division of the uh, the property or the belongings that the person left behind. Islam, from what we understand, deals with this issue and um, should not even leave any space for the acrimonies that we find when the person dies. If the question is asked, 
what are the laws of inheritance in Islam? What will be the education you have for us? Yes, um, as you have explained that Islam basically provides complete code of life. Our scripture, Holy Quran, we believe it to provide guidance in every aspect of our spiritual, our social, every you know type, every aspect of our life, it provides uh, guidelines in regards to that. Maybe marriage, uh, you know, the healthy marriage, how to keep it strong and what are the customs for it. Similarly, financial dealings between people may be establishment of justice in a society, how we can achieve that. Whatever topic we look at, uh, as Muslims, we believe that the Holy Quran provides a very detailed, uh, you know, guidelines in some cases. And some other times where it doesn't complete, uh, provide every single detail, it gives us the guidelines or the framework uh, to understand that how, um, you know, in a society, we can maintain peace, we can maintain equality, and uh, all the requirements and all of, of all the people uh, are fulfilled. Inheritance is one of those matters also discussed in the Holy Quran at length. And actually, there's a lot of details given in the Holy Quran uh, in regards to inheritance, that when someone passes away, uh, what is how is the wealth of the deceased person distributed among his heirs? Who are those heirs? Who are those recipients uh, of the of the inheritance, basically? Um, of course, I mean throughout our discussion today, we will be referring to several different verses of the Holy Quran. Just to give an example, that where uh, these references are made, some of them, if someone is interested, they can take a look at chapter four of the Holy Quran verses 12 to 15, then again in chapter 4, verse 177, then in chapter 2, verse 241, then again in chapter 2, verses 181, 182, 183, then chapter 5, verse 107, and again, there are many more, I just uh, pointed out some basic ones, where there is a lot of information on, uh, on the laws of inheritance in Islam. So just to give a you know, breakdown or a brief understanding to our listeners. Um, one should understand that Islam, through the, the through the laws of inheritance, has given rights to more people, or has made more people heirs in inheritance than any other religion. This is very interesting. Islam has made sure that when someone passes away and they have a little bit of wealth or a lot of wealth, whatever the case may be. Uh, there are many, many people that, uh, you know, uh, that benefit or that derive benefit from the uh, wealth of that person. And it's not just males, rather females are included as well. Just to name some of the relations that uh, become heirs of the, or become recipients uh, of wealth when someone passes away. I mean, of course, the son, the sons are there. Husband is there in case of wife passes away. Father is there, paternal grandfather is there, maternal brother is there, um, and then there's the, if, if in case the husband passes away, then the wife is there, the daughter is there, granddaughter is there, mother is there, grandmother is there, full sister, paternal sister, and maternal sister, and then again uh, there are many several other relations as well that are mentioned in the Holy Quran, that when a, a person passes away. Uh, this person, you know, this relation will get uh, this much allotment, this much portion uh, from 
from the wealth of the deceased person. And Islam even goes to mention uh, about uh, such people that might not have um, you know, any relative basically or very few relatives that what happens in their case. So very detailed explanation is given in the Holy Quran as to um, you know, uh, how that wealth is to be distributed after uh, a person passes away. The portion or the share for each relation, it is not possible to go into, into, yeah. a, into the discussion and explain that here because uh, the portion or the share is dependent on several factors. For example, how many children were there? How many okay. boys, how many girls? And how many other relatives, uh, you know, th those who are mentioned on the list of heirs are alive at that time. So in each case, in each person's case, the portion uh, sometimes changes slightly. So uh, because of that, it is not possible, but it is something to note that in Islam, there is uh, so many relations, uh, so many heirs to a person that has passed away and the wealth is distributed uh, to, to many different people, not just one or two, or not just the sons, uh, as it is in some cases in some religions. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is something to consider. One point I would like to mention here, yeah. that as, as I mentioned, that the, whatever teaching Islam gives, it, uh, the teachings are very comprehensive. And in this case, the concept of inheritance is very comprehensive that is presented by Islam. It ensures financial well-being of several of the family members after a person passes away. But very importantly, it creates a balance in the society by distributing the wealth. Okay. What I mean by that is, I will give you a reference from uh, the second Khalifa of our Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, his name was His Holiness Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad. Um, he has written in a book, uh, which is called New World Order of Islam. And he explains the concept of inheritance. He says that one of the principal causes of social inequality is the accumulation of property and wealth in a few hands so that the common people are deprived of all chances of acquiring property for themselves. To deal with this evil, Islam compulsorily distributes property among a large number of heirs. On the death of a Muslim, his parents, widow, sons and daughters all succeed to their shares in the property left by the deceased. Nobody is at liberty to modify in any manner the share to which each heir is entitled under this system. The Quran says that any attempt to interfere with this system is sinful. As compared with the Islamic system of inheritance, other systems, other systems suffer from various defects. Under some of them, landed property is inherited by the eldest son alone. And under others, females are exclu excluded from inheritance by males. Manu, for instance, has laid down that daughters shall be excluded in the matter of inheritance by sons. Under all these systems, property is confined in the hands of a comparatively small section of the community and the poor sections are deprived of all chances of improvement in their economic condition. As against this, Islam teaches that unless property and wealth are widely distributed, the community as a whole will not be able to progress. Under the Islamic system, if a man has succeeded in accumulating property worth 
of million of rupee, millions of rupees or dollars, it will be divided on his death among all his children, his parents if still alive, and his widow if she survives him. In the course of a couple of generations, the original patrimony will have been so divided and subdivided that every one of the numerous heirs of the original propositors will be compelled to exert himself to earn a respectable living instead of wasting his talents and living comfortably with the help only of inherited wealth, end of quote. So here we see that he explains the second uh, successor of Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He says that uh, there are so many heirs given uh, in the Holy Quran that when someone passes away, how the wealth is distributed in so many people that, uh, you know, just naturally, just because you, someone's father was rich, the next person is not going to be rich in that manner automatically. He has to earn a living. If there are that many relations, even if there's a large portion that comes in each person's uh, share, you know, and they're uh, for them, uh, allotted to them, that even then, uh, one, one or two generations down, that wealth will be so divided that it won't have any meaning. So they will have to work hard or they have to work hard and earn a respectable living. And this way, it gives an opportunity to uh, the poorer individuals in the society as well to come up, to rise. Otherwise, those people who, you know, someone's father who had a lot of wealth and he passes it to his sons only or to the eldest son only, in that case, that person's business or property or wealth will always be, you know, in a way, uh, ahead of all the people in the society, just because his forefather, uh, his father, his forefathers were extremely rich. So this is something Islam uh, deals as well uh, in the system of inheritance. Islam makes sure that people who come after someone passes away, who are alive after someone passes away, they're well taken care of. But at the same time, they should not become lazy in the manner that they, they, they have so much wealth now that they're just living off that wealth and they're not making uh, any effort or they're not doing anything and, uh, you know, in a way, corrupting themselves and as well as their future generations to some extent. So in today's capitalist society, many businesses are carried on for generations a lot of times because one or two children inherit the entire business giving them an unfair advantage over the rest of the children as well as unfair advantage over the society. Okay, so we will go into the beneficiaries and also the conditions that may uh, prevail when a person dies. But then starting with it, you um, counted not less than, at least from my point of uh, counting, not less than eight verses that talk about uh, the subject of inheritance, which of course lays emphasis on the importance importance that Islam holds such a topic. In most cases, when a father, for instance, is alive, their children are I mean seen to be united. Unfortunately, when the person dies, when the father dies, that's where we see most of these um, you know disputes, legal battles, because as you stated, one person is unduly favored against all the other children um, because they have the right to inherit. Islam provides an avenue which is almost like an equation, so to say. The equation is there. So as soon as the person dies, you just put the figures in 
and it works out without anybody having any opportunity to uh, distort any situation. And um, I, I know we are going to go into the details. Before the property of a person who has died is shared, and in this case, we are using the father. Since most of the people, I mean, we all look up to fathers as the head of the, of the house or the home. Before the property is distributed, what happens if the person has some debt or has some loans to be settled? Yes, that is also one of the rules uh, that, you know, whatever wealth is left by someone, by the father, for example, in this case, uh, before that wealth is distributed uh, to the heirs, those who are inheriting the inheritors, yeah. um, the debts have to be paid before that wealth is distributed to the children or any other heirs that need paid from his paid from his belongings. What he exactly? Okay. If someone has left a million dollars behind when he's passing away, yeah, but he owes maybe um, you know eight hundred thousand dollars for whatever something that he uh, you know he hadn't paid during his life so there's only two hundred thousand dollars left now that will be distributed among the children or the heirs uh, whoever the heirs may be so islam says that first thing that must be done when someone passes away is uh, the children should take care if their father passes away to repay the debt and okay. whatever wealth he has left behind it would be done from there and then rest of the wealth then again of course then it can be uh, distributed to the heirs basically even in the time of uh, prophet of islam holy prophet muhammad so, so. peace and blessings of god be upon him we find several examples in one case uh, a companion uh, uh, you know a, a disciple of the prophet passed away and his son came to the holy prophet peace be upon him and said that you know he owed such person uh, he owed someone uh, you know this much amount of money and the prophet instructed him that, you know, since uh, your father had a garden, which had uh, some uh, date trees in there, so what you should do is get all the dates down, all the fruit down. And then from there, uh, you should pay back the loan that your father owed. And then the rest of it, whatever is left, you know, will be you to take care and obviously divide between the, uh, between the heirs, the, those who... Uh, who are the recipients of inheritance based on the law explained in the Holy Quran. So definitely, uh, first thing is that the loan must be paid off if there is any, and then the wealth is distributed um, among the heirs. And also to keep in mind, actually, sure. is that, uh, for example, in Islam, uh, when uh, two people are getting married, a husband and wife, and they're getting married, husband uh, pledges dowry money so that dowry money, if it has not been paid by the husband during his life, because in sometimes it is possible that, you know, very early the in the marriage, dies. the husband passes away yeah. and uh, he hasn't been able to pay the dowry money. So whatever wealth he leaves behind, that, that is a loan against that person, against the husband, which he has to pay to his wife. So even when he passes away, uh, whatever wealth he had before uh, it is, you know, divided up, to the heirs, he, uh, the wife will first get her uh, dowry money from whatever the wealth has been left behind. I think that that needs to be clarified for somebody who did not um, ha that, ha doesn't have idea about the the dowry system. So in Islam, when a man is getting getting married to a woman, there is 
a large sum of amount that he is entitled i mean the, the wife is entitled to receive from the man and you are saying that in some cases it could be that the person did not finish paying that amount to the wife which is duly the wife's money if the person dies before the property of the person the man is shared that dowry which was supposed to be paid to the wife assuming he had paid 50 percent of the amount and died the remaining 50 percent has to be paid to the wife before the property is shared where the lady is also going to get her equivalent portion based on the calculation we will put out i mean in a short while okay so if that's the case then let's now go into the inheritance let's look at um a person who dies as a parent can you take us through what happens to the children if for instance let's use a test case so that people can understand two sons and two daughters what what happens will all of them receive portion from the the, the inheritance and if so um, do they receive same yes uh, the holy quran mentions uh, that both uh, daughters and sons receive um, you know a share when uh, when you know basically father for example in this case passes away the both daughters and sons receive uh, their shares in chapter 4 verse 12 of the holy quran it is mentioned and I, I i am translating it says allah commands you concerning your children a male shall have as much as the share of two females but if there be females only numbering more than two then they shall have two-thirds of what the deceased leaves and if there be one she shall have the half and of course there's more details given here and in other parts of the holy quran definitely there is share for both uh, male uh, and females and in this case both both uh, you know daughters and sons we have spoken about when a father leaves this world and has two daughters and two sons how the property has to be shared that they all have a share in the property unlike in previous religions that only the first son inherits the father islam gives the opportunity that every son inherits portion from what the father lives if for instance the father has more than even 10 children they all have a share in that but then before that if the father has any loan to pay or if he has any debt to pay all those things are taken care of paid from whatever he lives before even the process of sharing the property begins now let's look at if a person dies and has parents do the parents have a share in the property yes the holy quran gives details to that as well that in that case uh, the parents will receive something as well i quoted this verse earlier this yeah. is chapter 4 verse 12 and uh, discussing the issue just quoting the part that we are discussing now it is mentioned in the holy quran and his parents shall have each of them a sixth of the inheritance if he have a child but if he have no child and his parents uh, be his heirs then his mother shall have a third and if he have brothers and sisters then his mother shall have a sixth after the payment of any bequests he may have bequeathed or of debt 
So here again, it is very clearly mentioned that in case when someone is passing away, he does not have any children, but his parents are still alive, then uh, the parents also receive some wealth uh, or they become the inheritors, they, be they, they become the heirs uh, of their own children in that case. And it is explained that in, you know, in different situations, how much they receive. If the person who is passing away, if he has no children, then there is a different amount. But if they, he has children as well as he has parents, then uh, there is a different amount fixed for the parents. So uh, it is mentioned in the Holy Quran. And again, the Holy Quran has tried to make sure, not tried, rather, I should say, has done very well. When we compare, when we look at all these factors together, we see that how comprehensively the Holy Quran has taken care uh, of every single possible relation uh, that, that needed to be taken care of. Which means going a step further, not only the children have right to inherit the parent, but then even the person who dies, his parents, if they are alive, they also have a proper share, which is documented share in whatever the person leaves behind. Indeed, yes. Can we take a look at husband and wife also, what happens beginning with the husband to the wife, if a husband dies, just the proportions without much details. And uh, you also mentioned that the if the man owes the wife the dowry, I mean, that is also to be taken care of even before she gets her portion. Yes. If the husband passes away and the wife is left behind, then the wife has a share in her husband's uh, wealth. Okay. And if the, the wife passes away and the husband is there, then there is some portion for the husband in that case as well. Okay. When we look at chapter 4 of the Holy Quran, which we've been referring to uh, uh, again and again throughout our discussion, chapter 4, verse 13, it is explained here, Allah the Almighty says, and you shall have half of that which your wives leave if they have no child. But if they have a child, then you shall have a fourth of that which they leave after the payment of any bequest they may have bequeathed or of debt. And they shall have a fourth of that which you leave if you have no child. But if you have a child, then they shall have an eighth of that which you leave after the payment of any bequest you may have bequeathed or of debt. So okay. here it is explained very clearly that how much, uh, you know, share or portion is to be given to, uh, in both cases, if the husband passes away and the wife is there, or if passes away and the husband is still alive. So in essence, if a man dies, the wife automatically has one eight in the property if they have children. But if they don't have any children, then automatically the wife has one fourth. That is a quarter from what the, the man leaves. And also in turn, if a man loses the wife and the wife has a property, if they have children, the man is entitled to a quarter. But if they don't have any children or child, then the man is entitled to half of the property that the wife leaves. That is correct. Yes, this is the word. This is the verse that P that I read out. Okay, it explains this. Okay, so in all, basically, looking at the children's situation, 
and coming to the wife and the husband situation, one thing runs through. We notice that um, the sons get two times as the daughters would get. And here also the husband and the wife relations, we see the two times and the, you know, the half situation. Let's look at the motive behind it. Why do males receive two times the portion of females in some cases? It should be understood that whatever share the woman is receiving from her husband, from her son, or any other relative that passes away, it is entirely her personal wealth. She is not required to spend it on any family member, even her own children. She's not required to. That is Islam. What Islam says. Exactly. Whereas, uh, you know, the son or the, sorry, in this case, the husband, uh, if he is receiving uh, more after her wife passes away, it should be kept in mind that he is obligated, you know, at, at, at always throughout his life to take care of his family if they are in need or if they're not in need on a regular basis, he's supposed to take care of them in whatever way he can, the way he can afford. So this is one big difference established in Islam. In Islam, not just in matters of inheritance, but any wealth that belongs to women, it belongs to her alone. Her husband, her father have no right upon that wealth. So today, if there is a Muslim woman that is working and earning money through her job, she is not obligated to spend that money uh, for the betterment of, or, you know, for taking care of the family on a regular basis, the way a husband is required to do so. So I, I often give this example that my wife often teases me by saying that uh, whatever belongs to me, belongs to me. And whatever belongs to you also belongs to me. <laughs> whatever uh, a woman has, it is entirely hers and her husband or her father or brother or any other person has no, uh, you know, should, cannot have any input that how she should spend that money. She's not obligated to, uh, you know, be the breadwinner for the house. But for the, for the male, for the husband, for the father, it is a requirement that whatever he earns, whatever he inherits, it is his duty, it is his obligation to take care of the family. So where the female is receiving one third or half or whatever uh, the amount might be, then that amount should be remembered that she, it, it is her personal income, personal wealth, which, is, uh, which Islam does not say that she has to spend in a particular manner. But whatever the man is getting, he has to take care of his family. So even, uh, let me make this more clear. If the woman has money in her bank account, still she is the responsibility of the husband to, to, you know, uh, to, to be taken care of. Whatever yeah. her feeding, her clothing, just like rest of the family members, it is the responsibility of the man to spend that money um, for the household. Whatever he earns, it is his obligation. For the woman, whatever she has, whatever she earns, there is no obligation upon her to spend that money and now or later. It is up to her how she wants to spend that wealth. I know you answered that question in your previous answer, but then I ask so that um, we clear any kind of doubt any person may have. Of course, I know some of these topics become very sensitive when ladies hear that in apportioning the 
um, you know, the inheritance a man can get twice what a woman would get. And I want us to look at it from this angle. Let's take in the son and daughter's situation. If a person dies, as you stated, and has, say, one million in his bank account, and he dies, now we pay all the debt, maybe he'll say 200,000, and we have 800,000 left. If there are two sons and two daughters, the two sons would get twice what the daughters would get. That is in no way discriminatory to the ladies because we know that as we explained, when the sons are going to get married, by law, Islam requires them to pay dowry to the wives, the would-be wives. And that is not any small amount. If you come to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, there is a set, um, I mean, um, average of not less than a person's six months salary. So just imagine if we shared it equally and my sister is going to get married, where she is going to get the equivalent of about six months salary of the man who is going to marry her. And I am going to marry and I'm going to spend equivalent of about my six month salary to other women, then there's no it's, it's not going to be fair on the side of the of the of, of the boy. So Islam takes care of this balance, knowing that the lady does not have to take care of any other person but herself if she so wills. But then the man has additional responsibility or the boy has additional responsibility to take care of the person he is going to get married to. And it comes down the same way to the husband and wife. If one of them dies, the other is going to get married. So a husband dies and the wife is going to get married. The person who is going to marry her will still give her the dowry. But then if the woman died and the man is alive, the man is going to get married and is going to pay dowry to another woman. So Islam takes care of this balance and does not establish any form of injustice. And, um, you know, there are a lot, a lot of other angles we can look at it. But then I just wanted us to look at this only. You mentioned, you mentioned the, the marriage or the, you know, the rights and the traditions related to that. Even in that, um, man is required to give a feast, uh, you know, for the marriage. Whereas the, the, the wife or the, you know, the, the female, she or her family is not required to give a feast. The feast is required by by the man in that case as well. So, and then again, you know, uh, he gives the dowry money uh, to his wife. But then, even after uh, he gives the money or before he gives the money, throughout their marriage, he has to take care of her. In Islam, he is obligated to take care of her if he has, uh, you know, a, a very small amount, very small earning. Still, he is going to make sure that what when you know before I have something in my plate, my wife my wife must have something in her plate. Yeah. So you know this is something that Islam teaches in this manner that even as I mentioned earlier that she may be having a million dollar of her own in her bank account, husband cannot be pointing to that saying that uh, I have nothing today. Why don't you bring your money out and spend that for you know for taking care of the family? He does not have you know so much as a right to even say that. So if she, the wife, out of her own kindness, wishes to take care of the family in a manner, that's up to her. But in Islam, she's not required. She's not obligated 
that that obligation is with the man thank you very much imam tariq azim and if you just joined us you are with the ahmedia muslim community and today we are um, discussing inheritance in islam and imam tariq azim has taken us through what the islamic principles are um, regarding inheritance and who are eligible to inherit the property of the deceased imam tariq of course we have spent I mean, much time on the uh, the core sub subject which is inheritance but if a person is alive and um, decides to give a portion of their property to a person who is not legally uh, part of the inheritance system i'm talking about will is it allowed in islam to make will yes uh, it is allowed in islam to make a will uh, it is mentioned that a companion by the name of Saad bin Abi Waqas, he fell ill. He was a companion of the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When Saad fell ill, he was so ill that he thought that, you know, uh, he is going to pass away because of his sickness. So in that sense, peace be upon him, visited him to inquire about his health and to pray for him. And in that meeting, Saad, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, he mentioned that he wanted to donate all his wealth for the sake of religion. Prophet, peace be upon him, said, no, that is not allowed because, of course, you have other people uh, that you have to take care of as, as well. So he said that, can I offer half? Prophet still refused, saying that it's too much. Then he said if he could do one-third, he could donate one-third. So the Prophet of uh, Allah the Almighty, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he allowed that. So when we look at this narration, we see that one-third, uh, up to one-third will is allowed to be made from the wealth that we have. The rest of it must be distributed according to the rules and conditions mentioned in the Holy Quran. And for that will to be made, I mean, there should be some reasons for that, you know, but otherwise it should not be, or it should not be to deprive the relations or the heirs that are mentioned in the Holy Quran. So the so, Holy Quran says that you are allowed to make a will, but you must first take care of your uh, of your you know people that are that you're leaving behind. So even if you wish to do it for a noble cause, for example, donating all of it for the sake of religion, for the service of humanity, it is a very noble thought, very noble wish. But the people that Allah the Almighty uh, has put in your care, and Allah the Almighty wants them to benefit after you pass away. You cannot deprive them of their, uh, you know, uh, rightful inheritance that is mentioned in the Holy Quran, and this is a level. This is the type of justice Islam establishes, and 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 you know sometimes we hear in the news, for example, or in different places in media, movies, in different places, it is sometimes said that a person was so upset with his son or with his daughter that you know they say that we're not going to give them anything after we're not going to give them anything from our inheritance islam does not allow that islam says you have no right to uh, decide in that sense allah the almighty has already given them allotted portions for for your heirs you know people who will be inheriting you so they are your responsibility and they must be taken care of so if someone decides to give one third for a you know for a good reason um, that can be allowed but again it should not be 
so that you give benefit to one particular child of yours and the others are deprived. Again, that would be, uh, that would be wrong. So in Islam, yes, the will is, it is, one is allowed to make a will, but it should not be an unjust will. It should be in accordance with the teachings given in the Holy Quran. Our community, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, many members in our community also make this will during their life to, to you know, uh, to show to God Almighty that, oh God, in our heart, we have no love for this world. We have love for you and we wish to donate. We wish to sacrifice as much as we can in your cause. And, you know, when they make this will, they donate minimum one-tenth or up to one-third, same limit applies, uh, from their income as well as their properties for the sake of religion, for the sake of God Almighty. So again, I mean, um, if all wealth could be passed by writing a will, then it would create the same problem which I mentioned earlier in our talk, that there will be an unfair distribution of wealth either among the children or the heirs, or also generally in the society as well. Um, of course, you said the I mean the limit allowed is one third, meaning a person cannot will more than one third of his property or her property um, whilst he's alive. The question I wanted to also ask, we know that uh, sometimes people will try to circumvent laid down situations. Does a person who is already listed as part of those who benefit from inheritance, are they allowed to be given a will from the same property, which of course the Quran has stated that they would receive uh, inheritance from? So as we discussed earlier, it would give them an unfair advantage over what other children as okay. well as create, uh, you know, unjust injustice in the society as well, because, uh, you know, that person will remain ahead of the rest of the people in the society. So in that case, no, it is not allowed because he will receive his share or she will receive her share okay. from whatever is mentioned, um, you know, uh, in the Holy Quran based on that allotment. And even Prophet uh, of uh, Allah the Almighty, Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he has said that you cannot make a will to someone who is already receiving, who is already an heir to, to your wealth. Thank you very much. Um, of course, I believe time is a little bit going. Um, let's look at one last thing I have, you know, for you to talk about. Of course, those who are listening to us, and uh, as we mentioned, people have issue with the fact that girls will receive, I mean, half what they, let me see, boys will receive twice what a girl will receive if, for instance, their parent died. People have that issue and it is only when you explain to them the intricacies of it, then they understand and know that the girl child is already always taken care of in Islam and their rights are more than what the the boy child you know has looking at the teachings that existed before islam do we find any law of inheritance particularly we can look at, at the bible before you point your fingers at the division which gives two times to a boy and one to a girl Let's look at the Bible, whether the Bible establishes something similar or something closer to what the Quran gives. No, absolutely not, unfortunately. I mean, uh, 
when we look at the Old Testament, uh, which, you know, technically applies the teachings of which apply to both the followers of Judaism and Christianity, um, only the sons inherit any property according to the Old Testament, as I said. And uh, daughters have no right uh, to inheritance whatsoever. And firstborn son, as a matter of fact, inherits double the portion present to rest of the sons. So again, as, as we discussed when we were discussing Islam, that it gives an unfair advantage to that one particular child, the firstborn in this case, yeah. and the rest of the rest of the children are at disadvantage. And you know, it, it, Islam's teaching where the wealth is distributed between a lot of heirs, it promotes a, a working hard working attitude, you know? So in the Old Testament, the only time daughters inherit anything from, from their fathers or mothers or anyone would be if they have no brothers. If there are daughters and they have no those daughters have no brothers, then they can inherit something. But if they inherit anything, then their marriage cannot take place according to their wish. If they they, they plan to get outside, they get married outside the family. With that, if they inherit anything, they have to get married within their close relatives, so that whatever they inherit stays within the family. And this is if somebody wants to take a look at it. This is from uh, the book of Numbers, um, chapter 27, verse 1, 2, 3. Uh, first few verses deal with this issue that, uh, you know, some uh, this issue came to Prophet Moses. And he said that in that case, what should be done? And it should be, you know, as I've explained, that they, they can receive, uh, daughters can receive only if there are no sons. And then they have to marry within the family so that their wealth does not go outside. And Christianity in the New Testament does not mention any specific laws. And for several centuries uh, earlier in early Christianity, uh, the leaders continue to, you know, uh, the uh, followers of Christianity continue to follow the same teachings. Later, some leaders devised their own laws. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the laws that were given in the Old Testament uh, they were left as that, as I've explained. So according to the Bible, there is no uh, share for women whatsoever. Islam, as we have spoken throughout our discussion today, yeah. gives right gives right to inheritance to women as well. And then not just what they inherit, there's so many different relations that they inherit from so that, that you know, they, they, they remain independent. They don't become dependent upon their uh, husbands or fathers or brothers or sons or anything like that. They have their own share as well, though somebody else when, you know, for example, uh, their husband would still have to take care of them. So this is the teaching given in the Holy Quran and this type of comprehensive uh, system, this type of comprehensive teaching is not to be found in any other, uh, any other religion, not even in, you know, uh, in Hinduism, Sikhism, um, Judaism, Christianity, none of them. Islam tries to take care of all the relations in a very, very equitable and fair manner to make sure that they're not deprived of their rights. Thank you very much. And I, I think, yeah, there is also a verse um, in the book of Numbers, chapter 27, starting from 27, but then the most important aspect of it is at verse 4, up to verse 10 
when some daughters, daughters of a gentleman by name uh, Zelo Fehad, who died, and the, the daughters went to the Prophet Moses and complained that because their father did not have a son, the property was going to the father's brother. And um, why should they be denied the right to be given a portion of that property? And it is quite recently that we saw that even in some of these Western countries are uh, also given the right, you know, to women uh, to inherit property and even own property in their own names. That's why the fact that these countries have followed Christianity for quite a long time. And um, this teaching that Islam gave, giving the right to women to inherit, is over 1,400 years. But then we look at UK and we look at um, US and France and other things, it's not over 200 years when they realize that women also have the right to exercise certain, you know, uh, responsibilities in terms of owing property and also um, even the right to vote. All these things were things Islam had given to women long ago, but they were not given to women by other religions. And I believe um, this is all that time would allow, except if you have something to add quickly to what you have already said. Then we, you know, we wrap up. Yes, I, I mean, we try to explain as best as we can in this uh, short program. And if anyone is interested in learning, they can reach out to us uh, via WhatsApp. Our number is 876-283-9533. And we would be more than happy to provide more resources. Uh, if you have any other questions that, you know, we did not deal with, I would be more than happy, our host would be more than happy to take care of that and uh, try to provide answers. Thank you very much, Imam Tariq Azim, for joining us today and always, you know, being available on the program. And also to you, our dear and cherished listener, for joining us today. And today we spoke about uh, inheritance in Islam. And just to also remind that in case you did not get the beginning of it, you can visit the official Facebook page of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Jamaat in Jamaica and all these episodes are also going to be available for you to enjoy over and over as and when you need them. Until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. It's love for all and hatred for none. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salayala Rahimina Salayala Muhammadin Salayala Mm-hmm.